All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. WTF, welcome to it. How are you? Look, I just got back. I'm punchy. I flew in today, which would be yesterday if you're listening to this on the day it came out. Flew in from Cedar Rapids, got up at 4.30 to drive the car from Iowa City to Cedar Rapids to drop it off. I'm not even sure if it's been tallied. I don't know if my car has been accounted for. It's a sort of a a long story about budget rental car, and it's nothing negative about budget. Okay, it's just odd that the most chaotic experience I had renting a car happened at Lincoln, Nebraska Airport. Lincoln, I don't even know if you call it International Airport. The most chaotic, sort of mild drama situation unfolded around a a rental car in Lincoln, more more so than any other situation that I've had in my adult life. Look, today is is, uh, Andrew Garfield. He's on the show today. Uh, You might know him from many things, the social network, Tick, Tick, Boom, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. He's one of the Spider-Men. He was on Broadway in Angels in America and Death of a Salesman. And he's Emmy nominated for his performance in the miniseries, Under the Banner of Heaven. That is some heavy Mormon drama, folks. Some uh, some murderous Mormon shit. And he's great in it. He'll be here. I'll be talking to him. He's a very nice guy. Thoughtful guy. We got into it. Seems grief has been coming up a lot. But uh, but it it unfolded into quite a uh, beautiful conversation. So Lincoln, Nebraska. Look, I was I was with Lara Bites. We did three shows. We did a show in Lincoln. We did a show in Des Moines. We did a show in Iowa City. Flew into Lincoln. Now, here's the deal. It's a little tricky now to rent a car from a car rental agency that you're not going to return to them. They get a little uh, a little weird about it, I think. I couldn't even get one from Hertz. So I had to reserve one in budget because I needed to rent it in Lincoln, drop it off in Cedar Rapids. But they're so low on inventory that get, I think, a little cranky about it. They don't want you to take the cars. And when you do get a car that you can take, it's usually not the car you want. The last time I did this, I was in an F-150. Is that what it's called? A giant pickup? Because it it wasn't theirs. And they're like, go ahead, re-enter this into the ecosystem of, uh, of, of of rental cars. Me, wandering rental cars. Maybe it'll find its way home. It's always a plate that's nowhere near the place where you rented it. So I made a reservation of budget. We landed at 8.30 p.m. at Lincoln Airport in Nebraska. Budget closed at 6. So I had to come back the next day to pick up the car. Now, you could actually, you could miss Lincoln Airport. You could drive right past it. And I'm talking about on the plane. Like, we landed. I'm like, is this it? Are we in it? So we got a car from the airport. And this airport, one building, really, and there's a parking structure across from it. I swear to God, you could probably park your car overnight in front of the building if you needed to. I'm not being condescending. It's not, it wasn't like time travel. It's not old timey. It's just an airport that services Lincoln. And it's, it's quaint. It's cute. It's small. I'm, I'm not being judgmental. It was an odd experience to realize that this was the airport. So the next day, we, we got in, we ate some food. Next day, I get up, I get an Uber with Lara, Lara, with Lara, and go back to the airport. So we go to the budget counter. There's a woman there, Bonnie, and she's giving us a lowdown. I said, we got a reservation. She says, yep. 
uh, Marin. Yep. And she's like, I'm going to give you a Kia SUV. And I'm like, is that all you got? It's like, it's all I got that you can take to Iowa. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. I'll take what I can, man. We're just, you know, I understand it. You got low inventory. Uh, you sold off a lot of cars during the pandemic to stay solvent. And now it's hard to buy them because of supply chain issues. And she's like, that's right. And I'm like, well, let's do it then. She goes, all right, I'm going to do your paperwork and I'm going to give you the key and you're going to listen to me how you get to where the car is. I'm like, how, how, in my mind, I'm like, how far could it be? The garage is across the street. I'm literally walking across the street. But she made an odd point. She says, look, here's the paperwork. When you get this to Cedar Rapids, you're going to have to tell them to call me when they get the car in order to process the paperwork. If they don't call me, the paperwork won't be processed. And I'm like, I don't even understand what you're saying but fine she goes here's what you do here's your key you walk across the street you go all the way down the sidewalk till you see the sign for rental returns and then you go left there you go over a little driveway and you go you're going to go left at that sign and the car's right there so i'm like fine i take the key me and lara walk across the street we're walking i don't see any sign for rentals i do see a parking structure i look into the bottom level of that parking structure and there's car there's cars there there's rental cars there i see avis signs on the on the spot so i'm like she must mean this so we walk in we walk around on the lower level of the parking structure there were budget cars there i've got my key fob i'm pushing it looking for the kia in front of me to light up it's not, but the Camry next to it is the nice new white Camry is. I'm like, fuck it. Let's take this. And Lara says, no, cause then you'd be stealing a car. And I'm like, fuck. All right. So we go back into Bonnie, who I believe is actually managing all of the budgets in Nebraska from, from that counter. Now she had just run down and missed us somehow to tell us that we had the wrong key, but obviously we came back and she was sort of out of breath. She goes, I just tried to find you. I'm like, we were just over there at the car. She goes, I was just at the car. I'm like, I don't know how that happened, but this is a key to a Camry. Can I have that? She goes, no, that's for a guy that's going to rent it and keep it in town. She didn't say it in that tone. She was perfectly helpful. And I'm like, oh, okay. Can I have the key to our car? And she gives me the key to the Kia. So I go back with Lara to the garage where the Kia was and it's not lighting up. And now I'm going back to Bonnie. I'm like, this key isn't working. It's not lighting up. And she goes, what? And I'm like, yeah, I don't get it. And now she's got to go into a canister of keys and it's getting a little aggravating. She's like, I don't know what's happening. Here, take this Datsun Rogue. It's a gray Datsun Rogue. I take the key for the Datsun Datsun Nissan. What did I just, holy shit, did I just go back to 1979 when I had a Datsun B210? Did I just go back there? Was I wearing puka shells? Did I have feathered hair? Did I have Famolari shoes on? How about Britannia pants? Hey, so back here and now we go out to the Nissan Rogue in the same place in the parking structure and I pointed at the Rogue, which isn't the color she said it would be. Nothing lights up. So now I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. I walk back into Bonnie. This is the third trip in with the third set of keys and I go, nothing. I don't know what's going on. She goes, where are you looking? I said, we're in the garage where the budget cars are. She goes, no, that's not where I told you to go. You got to walk all the way down to where the sign is. It's outside. It's a parking lot. It's like a half a mile down. I'm like, how would I know that? I just saw, okay, my mistake, at least initially, though you did give me the wrong keys once. It doesn't matter. So now we got the keys to the Rogue still. And we walk all the way down there and uh, we, uh, we get in the Rogue. Okay, now the Rogue, when was the last time you saw one of those hanging pine tree air fresheners? Long time, right? Something's got to smell pretty bad for anyone to even consider putting one of those in a car. It was in the car. 
like a black ice one or whatever. So there was the smell of that and then an underlying smell that was unidentifiable. You just hope no one was hurt in the car and was in there too long. I don't know what the smell was, but we were like, fuck this, let's get out of here. So we pull out and we're driving the Rogue and we have a card to get us out and uh, and the oil light comes on and we're like, fuck it. I'm not going back to Bonnie. We're going to take this car and Laura's like, we got to check the oil. I'm like, that's fine. She's like, I don't want to throw a rod. I'm like, look at you, fancy talk. I know what throwing a rod is. I've been driving since I was 14. We'll check the oil when we get to the hotel. We check the oil. It's a lot of oil in it. And it's filthy oil. And I'm like, I don't know what we should do. And she's like, well, I think it can make it to Des Moines and probably Cedar Rapids. I say, you're probably right. And then we go eat breakfast. And then we're back in the car and the stink is bad. So now, like, I'm kind of thinking... We could take this back because of the oil light and not have a car that stinks like this. I would Going back with just a stinky car, I don't know if we're going to get what we want. And she's like, you mean you want to go back to the airport? I'm like, what else are we going to do? We're in Lincoln. It's not like you know we have a full day planned. This is life happening. Let's go back there. I was nervous. I was nervous because Bonnie was, you know, I think she'd had enough. Though I do believe it was probably a pretty exciting day all around. So we drive back to the airport. Uh, we walk in and she was like, oh my God. And I'm like, yep. She's like, what's happening? And I forgot to tell you, we had almost, we, one, the third set of keys, when we went back, she had started a cigarette break. So I just want to you know, up the ante emotionally a little bit. We interrupted a cigarette break earlier that day. She was totally in break mode, was about to light it. And we were like, we're, we're having problems. So that in and of itself would be enough, I would imagine, to annoy her. But we walk back in and she's like, okay, what's happening? Not mad at all. Not, she wasn't unmad, but she was like, what is happening? And I'm like, well, the oil light's on this car. So we parked, we had parked the car right in front of the terminal and we went into the counter. No one's going to mind. And she went on the computer. She goes, yep, it needs an oil change. And I'm like, okay, so what do you want us to do? She goes, it would probably make it. And I'm like, I get that. But, and she's like, no, all right. We'll get, can, why don't you just give us the Kia that we were supposed to get to begin with that we never got to? She's like, all right. She writes up some new paperwork and I'm like, I'll just drive the uh, the Rogue over there to the lot and pick up the Kia, which is the only other car that she goes, I can't let you drive it. You're not covered anymore. And I'm like, so what are we going to do? She goes, I'll get my driver. And we walk outside. There's an old man sitting on the bench. She goes, Rick, get up. And he gets up. She he drive these two over to the lot. So they can get in the car. So we get in the car with this old guy. He drives us over the lot. And now I have forgotten the thing that's going to get us out of the gate. And I'm like, I can't deal. I can't go back. I can't go back anymore. And Rick's like, I'll let you out. I'll just let you out. So now we're in the Kia, which doesn't smell great either, to be honest with you. But we get off of the lot and we've got a car. And I just want to thank Bonnie for keeping her patience. I imagine, I'd like to think she's probably still talking about it because I asked her, you know, when we went back the fourth time, how many flights come in to uh, Lincoln Airport? And she goes, eight. And I'm like, a day? She's like, eight a day. And I'm like, okay, well, this was this is a big work day then. And I'm not being condescending. She was very helpful and I liked her. There's a lot of keys. She's carrying around a lot of keys. It was a lot of stuff. Okay, so the shows are great. You know, uh, Lincoln went great. Then we drove to Des Moines. I love driving through the Midwest. It's a heavy weather out there. There was some, we missed the hailstorm the size of golf balls. It was breaking windshields. And then we would have definitely had to take the car back to Bonnie. But there was a, a rainstorm that just, it's like a waterfall. It's not drops. There's just nothing but heavy weather. You, you, you barely drive in this rain. But driving through the Midwest was beautiful in a farmland kind of way. We get to Des Moines. We do that show. Great. That was a great venue. 
had a nice time. Then we drive the next day to uh, Iowa City. That was uh, sweet. So we get up at 4.30. We, I get the car out. We get, At 5.25, we're heading from Iowa City to Cedar Rapids in the dark. And I'm dropping off this budget car. And I'm thinking, like, did I do everything right? We filled it up. But there's nobody going to be there. It's Sunday. It's going to be closed. We're going to do a key drop. But what about this thing where they got to call Bonnie in order for the paperwork to get finished? And I didn't know really... I filled out a little bit of paperwork on the envelope and I don't, and then I couldn't get it into the key drop. So needless to say, uh, it hasn't been processed yet. I have not got an email from budget saying a receipt or uh, anything like that. So I imagine I'll hear something. Not great, but more chaos than I've ever experienced. Seriously, renting a car. I'm tired. I guess eventually that car will be listed as stolen. I'll get into it with them. All right, listen. Andrew Garfield is here. He has an Emmy nomination for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Limited Series or Anthology Series or TV Movie for Under the Banner of Heaven, and that's streaming now on Hulu. And here we are talking. Great, great talk. I'm 58, and I don't know what the fuck has happened. You know, half the time yeah. with the uh, 58, with how with how show business works. Even, I mean, you seem to be operating pretty well in uh, sort of old style show business. You're legit. You know what I mean? You're doing movies, right? Television series, right? You're not, you know, you're old enough to not, uh, you're, you're not doing TikTok videos. Yeah, I was, on, I was on, I'm a geriatric millennial. I was on the cusp of. Uh, Are you doing TikTok videos? No, no, I haven't. Right? Needed to. Are you on Instagram? No, I haven't. I, it's a privilege that I. Twitter? No. <laughs> all of these, I, I, I have creep, I have creeper <laughs> accounts on all of these things. Sure. Not TikTok. Sure. A lurker. That's that's more. Yeah, like but you're it. just a consumer of entertainment. That's a consumer of entertainment and politics and news and yeah, other other things like of that nature. So like I watched, um, I've watched some of the uh, the new show. Uh huh. You you got nominated for an Emmy for uh, an enemy. An, an, you, an, you I got an, an, an enema. I got, got an, an enemy. You got nominated for an enema and an enemy. For... I've never had an enema. I think I'm 38. <laughs> Have you had a colonic? Never had a colonic. Right. I feel like it's around the corner. Though, There's after still time. And an enema nomination. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're on the way. Um, yeah, I got nominated for an an enemy. An enemy. Yeah. It's interesting because uh, I mean this has got a, this is like the third seriously religious character you've played. Third. Or maybe more. I don't know. Yeah, is there more. more? There's more. Really? Well, religious, yeah. I suppose reli- you're distinguishing. Because I would say like Prior Walter and Angels in America is like a spiritual hero. Sure. But I and, mean, you played a, a monk. Yeah, yeah. Jesuit priest. And um, then you played- Seventh-day a... Adventist. Yeah. And then Jim Baker. Right. Who is arguably religious. A preacher. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe the least spiritual person i I've maybe I, but did you feel like did what's i i his son's a big fan of mine i've had his son i'm on a big show. fan of his son as well of jay yeah i love jay did, was he involved in that not particularly we we had a really beautiful conversation and we've remained kind of in contact basically oh yeah yeah i, lo- I love him i love what he's about yeah I, he's a c- courageous guy yeah and his relationship with his mother was very sort of uh beautiful yeah really interesting is he still preaching um i don't know i don't know, you know right he, now i haven't kept up with yeah. his activities in that way so what was the process of, like, with this guy? Because I'm, I'm which guy, the Mormon guy? Yeah, what's his name? Oh, well, he's a he's a fictional character. His name is Jeb Pyrie. Sure, fictional character, but like, I go to Salt Lake City. I do stand up there. I work yeah. there. I, I I don't mind Salt Lake City. 
Wow, uh, it's a ringing, a ringing endorsement of Salt Lake. Well, Everyone, that, that's the best endorsement they're going to get. <laughs> I don't mind. So yeah, Mark well, Maron does not mind well, Salt Lake City. Well, as you enter, you realize that you know you, this is a functioning theocracy. It has been for years. Yeah, and and you know it's it's. I was doing jokes when I was there about the idea that it's becoming a progressive city, and in in, in my mind, it's like it's not really. And if it is the illusion of that, it's only because the church is letting it happen because it generates money. Mm, interesting. I interesting. I mean, yeah, you'd know better than I I don't would. know anything. It's just a speculation. But, you know, there are a lot of people that aren't religious. But my point, what I want to get to yeah. is that in the research, and I haven't gotten through the whole series yet, but I imagine we're heading towards, you know, what that compound in Big Love must have looked like, mm. right? There, there, that element mm. seems to be lurking. What was, what was the process of educating yourself about that religion? Yeah, I mean... Uh, it was fascinating like l- l- for that for that very reason like uh, what what i found really interesting my entry point was three ex mormons L- dustin lance black who is jack like, mormons jack yeah well isn't a jack mormon practicing but kind of kind of crappy at it i think like oh i thought jack mormon they like uh, uh, they were lapsed. they were out oh, yeah yeah right. yeah maybe but either way, so there was these three people. One, one being Dustin Lance Black, our showrunner, yeah. who who was a writer on Big Love, who okay. who, who kind of cre- who adapted John Krakauer's book, yeah. and then two of his friends, um, Lindsay Hansen Park, who's this f- um, very um, kind of uh, radical feminist ex Mormon, and this other man called Troy Williams, yeah. who runs a- Equality Utah. He runs a, a-, a-, a- LGBTQ. Um, organization in in Utah that's like uh, kind of for progressive le- legislation in in the state. So there's really a political push there. Yeah, to, and and to... The, these are th- but these are three ex Mormons who are yeah. who are kind of who had their own real spiritual crisis, spiritual awakening away from the that. kind of the, the narrow kind of fundamentalist nature of, of, of organized religion generally, but specifically Mormonism. Yeah. So for me, they introduced me to people who, was th- who are still practicing, yeah. people who are really, really deep in the religion. I went to, I went to church. I, I, I visited with a lot of people. And then there were, f- f- from it, was, it went from the extreme of that to, you know, a bishop who is kind of on the way out because he was starting to um, experiment with ayahuasca and, and, and plant medicine. And mm. like like a lot of ex-Mormons in Utah, there's this very interesting subculture of right, ex-Mormons in Utah. They were all afraid that he was going to find the plates again. <laughs> and they were going to say very, very different things. <laughs> yeah. Um, and but, but what's kind of amazing is that there's this group of ex-Mormons in Utah who have kind of supplemented their spiritual kind of need and the, the abyss that leaving the faith... Um, kind of gave them with hallucinogens and with uh. and, and, in, and specifically this you know ay- ayahuasca or mushrooms or any anything like that. That's sort of an untethered spirituality, yeah. as opposed to the rigid or a connection with maybe a truer, more kind of visceral spirituality, which is na- a, a natural spirituality, yeah. a connection to nature. And so that was very very cool. That that was kind of my introduction to Mormonism. It was very very unexpected. Right. It was through these people, and that's the journey that my character goes on in the in the project. Yes. Yeah. He does have a huge crisis of faith because of having to pursue the truth of this case, which puts him at odds with the untruths that his um, his religion are kind of perpetuating. So when you put it together a character like that and you're just kind of putting the drive shaft into your uh, mind and being, you know, it's basically a guy that is struggling with faith. 
I, yeah, and and what com- what comes with that is a struggling with reality, right? Sure. The, but, but, your perception, exactly. Right, and and how and the courage that it takes to actually, if you find yourself falling, dive right, like rather than resist, yeah, or oscillating between resistance and acceptance, right. And I think it's a psyche, it's a psycho, it's a psychological break that's happening. It's it, it's. Like I, and, but, but not based on on, on, on chemical or, or mental illness, but based on literally information. Yeah, knowledge. Which can awareness. Oh, it's interesting because that happens, you know, all the time, both for for bad and good. Always, yeah, yeah. And I think if we're lucky, uh-huh. I think it happens over and over and over again and we expand our consciousness every day and we die every day and we get you know that's like so i i I don't know i think maybe the metaphor of the christ myth which was literalized by a group of people who wanted domination and control yeah the idea is if we're lucky we emulate christ's the metaphor of christ's uh, death and resurrection every day in order to become anew in order to become and it's what you were saying before is again it's like you know the older you get the less you know and yeah. that's true wisdom right I th- I, so we're bra- if, we're breaking open over and over and over again right, our psyches are expanding our hearts are expanding that's you, the idea you would hope but i mean unless you're just holding you know we're true all, to you know whatever your perception is yeah right so you know less and less because you're not taking new things in right so you ultimately get abandoned by the 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 pace of 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 culture and information right and and it and and we feel that abandonment so acutely and that's what creates rage and that's what creates i don't i mean right and and this the the, the era that we're in now where people are so desperately white knuckling holding on to tangible explanations for completely mysterious things that's like right the rise of conspiracy theories right. all, oh, yeah. all of but these that's things. all in uh, that's that's because of a spiritual vacuum and just fear yeah. i mean be, yeah. but but the 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 nature of conspiracy theories the reason they take hold is the same reason religions take hold there's this yeah. need for people it's almost compulsive it may not come from a good place but they need to be feel like there are answers and they're part of something bigger yeah yeah but the bigger i think the real bigger uh, is the mystery and i think uh, it's, yeah, well, that's it's, a, the, it's the thing that our egos can't handle yeah 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 and that's the problem is that we've centered the ego maybe in yeah. in our culture sure rather than i don't know making us making our culture ecocentric which where where all the wisdom really lives i don't i think about it all the time yeah like you know like how do we blow it <laughs> how do we miss the mark it, well, yeah. not just miss the mark but it's yeah. like well it was because the, the the i think the wedge is really Ultimately, kind of just uh, uh, free market capitalism. Yeah, really, I'd agree. I mean, if you if you're just sitting around bartering things and you're bringing vegetables to the neighbor's house, you know, in exchange for some for a hat, you know, it's like <laughs> I was really hoping in the first like maybe two or three months of the pandemic, yeah. I was like. Let's get back to We're that. We're going back to me bringing you a hat and you've yeah. given me a carrot. Like yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, it's happening. It'd this, be great. Uh, this is the moment. But the, it strikes me because of the 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 impending and 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 uh, happening, you know, climate crisis. Just sort of like this could have. You know, we could all be living. With, I don't. I wouldn't have to be watching my lawn die right now if we had <laughs> yeah. just. You know, traded the carriage for the hat. But <laughs> if only you had that specific yeah, hat. Yeah, it would have saved Oy. the world. Oy. Well, so 
but you were you brought up with religion? Were no. you brought up with these questions? No, it's weird, isn't it? I it's, don't know. Isn't that odd? Isn't yeah. that strange? How? how <laughs> where does this? Where? Where do we? Where does this come from in us? Like, what is? Well, what? Do you, how, what? How were you brought up? Yeah, I mean, so father, j- j- secular Jew, mother kind of church of england christian but really? non-practicing pa- she was she was i think i got some spiritual she was a pantheist she she died just before the pandemic she uh, she passed away two two years ago and a few months ago now thank you and 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 you know there's lots of grace with it in the sense that i got to be with her it was it was pre yeah and and you know i got to be with her because if she had died during the pandemic the jury's out if, if i would have gotten to be able to sit by her side hold her hand and yeah, you know, for, I for a process. Yeah, I lost I somebody mean? during the pandemic, and it was, uh, but she was here. You know, I mean, mm. no one, but no, you, there was no way to grieve, really. Yeah. So, what, uh, how long had she been ill? A, a year and a half, two years with pancreatic cancer. That's a bad one. Dude. It's, Dude, it's like. It seems I mean, like she lived a long time with it. She was the person she was the kind of person that would um that would that would have stayed here for another 10 years if it meant that we were all happy Mm. yeah no matter what her condition was yeah there's some beauty to that but there's also some i was very angry with her for that (laughs) a lot of the time i just wanted her to take care of herself better and i and and it was a you're angry for her hanging on or for no no i mean like just generally as a personality trait you know like you know i think women of that generation but no i'm not going to say a blanket statement like that she was i'll speak about her just specifically she she for whatever reason was she 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 loved she loved living for others she she just loved being you know giving love nice. to all it yeah. it's beautiful but it, it cost her mm. i i could see that and i think she would have kind of like admit to that privately yeah. to me but um um yeah so but you were able to be there thank god i mean i uh it was it was the most i mean i don't know how i would have handled it without like it was it was hard enough with you know she was 69 she was so young and you know, we were such a tight knit family, and she. How was many people in the family? Just, it was the the, the the kind of the core group was the four of us: my dad, her, and me, and my brother, yeah. and um, and you know, and we still are tight, all four of us, in, in whatever kind of non-material way that, that she's still with us. That I feel when I talk about her, you know, it's like it's this is the ritual of talking about. Uh, any yeah, chance it, I get. And, and it evolves though, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. like grief, like my experience with it, and it, it was not my mother dying at a young age, but it was somebody who I loved and I had spent time with. But mm. it's it's a fascinating, you know, uncontrollable uh, uh, and not really talked about state. Yeah. And everybody's in it yeah. at some point. It's the one place we're all going and it's true and it's such a weird i mean i and i think it ties in with what we were talking about earlier about yeah. this, about a kind of a lack of a lack of spirit in the culture right now a lack of an epidemic of meaninglessness maybe in the culture where and we anger yeah yeah and, and denial and delusion and uh because if we keep exiling this um 
you know, the the inevitability of the the destination where we're all heading. I think, you know, I I think about Rupert Murdoch, and then I think about Mike Nichols, mm. and I think about at the same time. Is this so I can exercise? No, just right, just right now. They both just came up in my consciousness <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. as like mm. opposing poles of how to die. And I, I and and I'm and obviously Rupert Murdoch is is still with us as far as we know. Um, in 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 material form, in corporeal form. Yeah. Maybe he was never here in spirit. Unfortunately, and, and, and that's a tragedy. The beginning of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I really don't think he's the, the god of. He might. He he does fit the kind of description of whatever father god kind of like. <laughs> like yeah, the evil one, the fallen one. <laughs> but like, but the desire to be the richest man in the graveyard versus Mike, who I got to do um, death of a salesman with in twenty. 12 on and brought on oh my god was that like the last thing he did when it did was, he pass it was one of the th it was i think the third to last thing he did it was me and phil hoffman and 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 phil playing willie loman and and you were biff and me playing biff and mike nichols directing and and seeing how he obviously you know mike was a, a terror growing up and he was feared by many um, but I think I met him in his, you know, 80s and he was, he, all the edges had been softened. And I think he was understanding that he couldn't take any of it with him. Mm. He was just giving it, he was giving it all away. Yeah. Like. What was the experience? I mean, how was it uh, different? I mean, outside of you, what you were bringing to the table, which is a tremendous respect. Yeah. For him, but, you know, not knowing really how he worked. How did he work that was somehow uh inspirational or different for you he told stories uh -huh. that was his direction and it was it, again it was it was this very elegant kind of leaving a trail of bread breadcrumbs with a seemingly unrelated story from the scene we were doing oh okay and then he would say okay do it again he would tell a story about uh, something completely unrelated huh. or he would it, it was it was like he was coming in the the the, the unconscious oh that's interesting and he was just kind of Right. I don't know, tickling parts of your brain that you didn't know were uh, were, were available. Oh, that's um, Yeah, just kind of le le leading you towards, like tricking you, basically, tricking you into a good performance. Uh huh. Um, and uh, yeah, and 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 outside of that, you know, Phil Phil was someone who I just kind of absorbed as much yeah. as I possibly could, and L Linda Eamond, who played um, who played Linda, a, a, an amazing New York well, theater, like theater a, actress. Uh, it's a hell of a play, and what's What's really kind of baffling is that you did it in the middle of doing everything else, uh, right? Well, yeah, well, I mean, you just do Death of a Salesman, and you what you you had shot. I guess I guess the Social the first, Network it was yeah. in the can. That was done, yeah. And Spider Man was what not just, happened yet? Just done, just finished. I and, just finished Spider Man. I and I and I think I think I was so freaked out by the experience of having made that kind of movie as an actor. Yeah, because I never imagined I would I would be in that position, and and also I got a taste of what making what kind of that kind of movie is like. And also, it was that was a high pressure situation. Yeah, big time. Because and it was about to come out. Yeah, because you know you were the new guy. Yeah, uh, it was a bit make or break, and and I th I think there was a kind of antidotal feeling of like I need to get back to I need to go home. So a, a, it was as a balance exercise. Exactly, yeah. I think my psyche was like I need to go I need to go and do something incredibly soulful, challenging with members of my kind of theater tribe, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, and, and also like things were, you know, it, each day is a beginning and an end. Yeah. 
right? So yeah. you're like total immersion yeah. uh, for, for the whole arc of a story as opposed to like yeah. you know, 10 minute pieces here and there. And I think on a, on a more kind of like vulnerable level, I was just fucking scared. I was scared of this massive film coming out and a gajillion people saying, nah, we don't, we don't like you. <laughs> we don't like your soul. We don't like your um, creative choices. We don't like your face. Which was, gar- which was, which <laughs> guaranteed, was guaranteed. Yeah, absolutely baked into the experience. There's, <laughs> there's going to be at least 50% of people that detest me. Full hate. And I was like, you know, 27, I think, 26. And like, you know, that's like, that's older than Justin Bieber was when he had to sure. put, put up with his, with his more, more extreme version of that. Yeah. But even at that age, I was like, no, I'm not ready for that. I need to, I need to protect. I think I had like wisdom enough to know... I'm going to lose my goddamn mind if I don't... Um, right. Also, ground yourself in who yeah. you are as precisely, an artist. Precisely, precisely. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, exactly. when you were growing up, you, your dad was uh, Jewish, you said? He was. He still is, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. The, I, and I culturally feel Jewish? Culturally, culturally East Jewish. East Coast Jew, West Coast Jew. West Coast Jew. Mm. LA Jew. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, emigres, um, Polish, um, Russian... Pre World War Two, landed oh, yeah. as Garfinkel, ended up as Garfield. That's why there's another f- fairly famous actor, who, John Garfield. John Garfield was yeah, a Garfinkel, yeah. I think. Oh, was he? I think so. Oh, interesting. He was a great actor too. He was a great actor. Um, blacklisted guy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. His daughter was also an actress. She was in Goodfellas. She was one of the wives. No way. Yes. No. Definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah. I sat with her on a plane once. I got, oh, cool. I got back in the day. I was I got shit faced with her on a plane. <laughs> I don't know if she was drinking, but I know I was. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So, so he just what was he in show business? No, not at all. No, he was um, an accountant, ah. and then uh, a business person, and then a, 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 and now he's a swimming coach. But in in England, in the UK, yeah, he was he was born in LA. And then his parents decided, you know, he was just getting into the Beach Boys, and he was putting roller skate mm-hmm. wheels onto a yeah. plank of wood, and he was like. And then his his family, he said, you know, we're going to go back to Europe. We're going to raise you um, close to your your extended Jewish people. And he, you know, landed in England, Southampton, yeah. at the age of thirteen, and yeah. kind of in grim, gray England from you know the wilds of California. Huh. And and then met my mother, like was brought up there, and met my mother, and then immediately just kind of whisked her, whisked her over to LA. Had me and my brother, and then she was raising two kids in Marina del Rey in the eighties. And was like, I don't know. Yeah. This feels pretty dangerous. And then said, I'm going back. If you want to come with me, come with me. It, huh? And that was that, yeah. And, and then and now he comes out and visits me because I, I live between here and there. So I have both passports. And it's funny, like that thing of being the unmet dreams of our parents, right? So I've become like a, I surf. I, you know, I, I have this little little spot near, near the beach in here in LA. And yeah. So now I get to give him the kind of the the dream that he never got to live out himself it's kind of and, and also he had a he had a secret sadly the beach boys aren't in great shape but you know you can give him part of it anyway. <laughs> but it's also interesting when I, when i first started acting he was t- he was terrified and very kind of um you know like any good jewish father terrified. would be yeah. yeah like you know you're going to be destitute and you're going to have to you know they don't want you to have a life of struggle yeah or like selling selling myself for sex on the street corner, you know well, that was. He should have had a little more faith in that. <laughs> I don't in, know. In I don't his, know if he literally got to that yeah, yeah. stage. In but. his parenting, he should have had a little more that that wasn't <laughs> the 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 ultimate way that this would go. <laughs> I don't know if he ever literally said you're going to end up selling your ass <laughs> yeah. in Soho. Yeah, there's um, a lot of other problems that have to happen before that becomes the only option you have. 
And a lot of them are psychological, and, and you seem like a pretty well-adjusted guy. <laughs> yeah, but not, not in my father's mind. No, no, and and so, but then when I started getting, you know, making making money in order to pay rent and or, and and put food on my own table, etc., yeah. he started to get very. He started to shift, and that happened in in, in the UK. In the UK, when I was doing theater, and I was I, when I made my first couple of movies, he started to come a bit closer and I was like what's going on here is and, and it turned out that he had this very secret early desire he would drive he, he had a moving company yeah. here in LA yeah and he would drive past the the studios sure like the Fox lot for instance and he would he had this he had a he had a kind of un an unmentioned unowned a disowned dream of being a screenwriter oh because he's a great storyteller he's a very yeah. charismatic charming storytelling yeah. dude and He's a great writer. He's and he, but he never did it. So it was this very interesting thing of like, oh my god, well maybe that's where, maybe that's, I don't know. It's also pretty glamorous, whether he's got a dream or no dream. You know, what I mean, to to have an uh, an actor in the family, you get to do that thing. Everybody, yeah. most people like show business. Yeah, I suppose. So. You know, they're everyone's just right. afraid of it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, what was the education process? So did you go to the fancy place? The Rada place? Yeah. No, I didn't go to the Rada place. I didn't want to go to the Rada place for some reason. Maybe that's self-preservation, like a self-protective mechanism in me. Did you go to the other place? Which was the other place? I don't know. <laughs> Arthur II? <laughs> this is the Royal Academy, and then there's the other one? <laughs> I just, I've talked to a lot of people that have gone to one or the other. Where'd you go? <laughs> yeah, I went to one of the other ones, yeah. I did, I did. I went to one of the other ones. Which other one? It was called, <laughs> which other one? Central. It's called Central. Central oh. School of Speech and Drama. Yeah, you know. Well, I don't Ju know that one. Judy Dench went there. there Laurence Olivier See, went I'm there. See, I'm telling you, there's two or three, right? Gael yeah. Garcia Bernal went there. Um, and yeah, I, I had a really good time. I had a really good time. I was 17 and I, I, I didn't know that this was a job. And, and you know, I, I was really introduced to great, I was introduced to Arthur Miller and Shakespeare. But like when you were a kid, though, it wasn't the thing. No, not at all. I was an, I was an athlete, and and I I then I stopped growing, and I got concussed three times playing rugby, and I kind of let it all. And I, I was a swimmer. I was a gymnast, and my dad became a swimming coach ultimately. And I, I don't know, man. Like I don't know. There was a really cool thing that I can see in retrospect that happened where yeah. I got super lost. And I didn't know what the hell I wanted After to do. After you were done with athletics, yeah. you're like, this isn't a future. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. I'm beat up. I'm not going to be Muggsy Bogues. I <laughs> yeah, was yeah. like always dreamed about being Muggsy Bogues. He's a, what is he? He's a, you know who Muggsy Bogues I don't, is? I'm American. I don't care about sports. So, Dude, he's like, uh, he's like a legendarily tiny NBA player. Okay, okay. He was like five foot. You seem one, tall to me. Aren't you tall? Like six foot. But like at that time, I, my growth was done because of all the, the gymnastics and my Russian coaches sitting on my back while I'm in a box split. You think that's true? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm th I think you probably, you just level, you just hit your limit. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. You can, you can blame the Russians. <laughs> we can blame the Russians. <laughs> sure, why not? At this point. Yeah. It's safe. It's the right time to blame yeah, the yeah, Russians. Yeah, for, I, um... You would have been 6'2 if it weren't for those damn Ruskies. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I was like, so I let, so, and I, I could apply myself at school. My brother, and but the problem is, is my brother was golden boy. My brother was, he's a doctor. He's a lung doctor. So he's been like oh, shit. keeping people yeah. alive the last yeah. two and a half years to the best it's, of his ability. Oh abilities. my God. Yeah. So he's a lung doctor in the UK? Yeah. Yeah. The Brompton Hospital in Chelsea. Yeah. Oh my God. What a tough couple of years, yeah. huh? Yeah. And he's a, he, but he's the guy you want taking care of you because yeah. he stays two hours. He's like my mother in that way. He stays three hours after, you know, he shifts over. And he does he keep abreast of the new shit? He must. Yeah, to a degree. I think he's just kind of treading water, as you know. I think he's mm. just trying to. He's just 
like any great physician, he yeah. just treats one oh, face yeah, at a time. Sure, yeah. Otherwise, he gets overwhelmed, and he get, does get overwhelmed. Like he's a person. I'm trying to keep reminding him that he's a person. I think, like, I became his kind of emotional support animal during the pandemic. Yeah. I was happy to have a job. You know what I mean? Like I, that. Sure. You know, we were all sat on our asses. I yeah. guess you could still talk to people, but yeah. I was just kind of sat. I, I know I talk to people sitting on their asses. Yeah, right. <laughs> in their own houses. So anyway, so I had this, this golden boy brother, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And I was like, well, fuck this. I mean, like, I, what, like, who I, am I? Who am I? What's yeah, the point? Sure. Like, my father is obsessed with my brother. I don't, I'm. Oh, you found that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big time, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're just sort of like, we don't I, know what's going to happen with that one. Like, like, we'll see. We'll see if he makes it. We'll see if he, yeah. sub- if he yeah, survives. Yeah. Sure. No, but 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 it was like this kind of amazing gift because it liberated me into going. Well, you know, I was born, I was raised in a very kind of conservative suburban, um, yeah, Truman Show feeling. Like, is this everything? It can't be everything. If it is everything, I don't particularly know if I want to be here. Actually, right. yeah, yeah. like I was never like. I wasn't like a suicidal kid, but I was definitely like, I don't know. I was enraged at the concept of this being everything. And, uh, sure. And, you know, uh, uh, and the arts weren't valued. They weren't spoken about. Like, in your house? In in the house, they like, my dad's a cinephile. My dad loves movies. Well, that's, well, there you go. That was something, but it wasn't. What about music? It, yeah, I mean, he had a great record collection. And your mom, what she do? Big deadhead. My my dad was a big, oh, really? my dad's a big deadhead. My mom, my and my mom was incredibly crafty, and she was amazing, like cake maker and like cashmere sweater knitter. Oh yeah, but it, but it wasn't. I don't know. It, it was it was. If you're not a lawyer, a doctor, or in business, then you're nothing. Oh, I see. So, so those it was, were it was more that of, capitalist. Right, kind but these of, were hobbies, and and it was these were you hobbies. Know, things that they enjoyed. Yes, but it was not like they weren't no sitting value. around going around, do whatever you want, man. No, no, you no, know? no. There was no value in it. You weren't value. You know, it was very capitalistic. It was like, well, how many units did you produce today? But yeah. What did your mom? Did your mom work? She was a housewife. She ended up having to work because the the lampshade business she had with my dad started to go under, and it ended up being her. And her friend Barbara in our converted living room, which was converted into a, a lampshade. Lampshades? Lamp Whose idea was that? <laughs> it was my father's hairbrain scheme. <laughs> and what, did you, what made them special? They were handmade by my mother. Like, they were absolutely Well, they, well that seems beautiful. like a very crafty belief in the arts. Oh, no, it was incredible. Yeah, but it <laughs> failed. It massively failed. This was the problem. Do you have a, Do you have at least one of the lampshades? I don't know where they are. Oh, wow. I think at, at our house, definitely. Sure, there's there's like She's everywhere still. All of her things. Are yeah, yeah. You know what she... No, I'm not going to tell you that. It's too private. Um, right. I um, There was a... Uh, so anyway, so I was like, okay, well, fuck this. I don't know how to particularly be here yeah. in this whatever this person is yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. fit here. Yeah, yeah. And uh and I think there's something about letting there be a bunch of empty space where the right thing can then show itself. You hope. Uh, well, yeah, but it takes a great deal of like staring into the abyss. Right, right, but, right, right. But you I mean it's like the the empty space was was not something you wanted. Hell no. I wanted right. I wanted everything to be totally laid out and planned sure. and I wish I had a gift of being a great business person or or, or could stomach it at least but yeah, I, yeah. I just fucking couldn't yeah, i couldn't either, do it yeah either you, either either that's all you give a shit about or you're not that guy right yeah that, but, I, but i think the tragedy of most people in the british educational system is they end up doing shit they don't care about they end right. up living lives and having to you know put the the guitar in the in the attic well, that, but that's most people yeah, but isn't that the tragedy of the? Is it of, though? I yeah, mean, like, I uh, do think so. You but don't wait, think so? I, well, look. <laughs> what on. if what if you take it out of the attic? Yeah. Here's, like the, here's the thing: is like you know, if if you 
Like I've got a bunch of guitars. I never yeah. played in a band. Uh -huh. And I think if I played in a band and I had all these guitars and I was no longer in a band, I would hate them. Right. So yeah, 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 so yeah I if, get that. Like if you can enjoy something yeah. and really just not see it as, you know, the life or death yeah, no, struggle I agree with that. I agree with of that. who you are. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, whether it's singing or acting or playing a guitar. No, I agree with yeah, that. Yeah. And when you when when something is not monetized, when something doesn't have the pressure of of, sure. of your your livelihood attached to it. Yeah, I mean, like, or or you realizing who you are through it, right? You, you know, like the artistic element. Well, what was it that 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 filled the emptiness first? That made you realize, like, okay. You know, this is the space yeah. that I, I have, and now I can occupy it with this. Yeah, well, I tried everything. I tried sculpture. I, I tried Sculpture? I, I tried painting. I tried music. Are I, you any good at painting? No, I'm fine at all of it. Really? And I enjoy all of it. I'm fine at it. Totally fine. It's a tough road. It is a tough road. The, the sculpture sculpt, and the sculptor's painting. road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'd, I'm, glad, I'm glad I didn't uh, yeah. have a talent in sculpture. Yeah. Uh, so literally, the last thing I tried was a drama, a, a drama class outside of school when I was like 15, 16. Uh -huh. And it felt, it felt different. Yeah. That's all. Just felt different. And then a mentor arrived, like a, a, uh, a teacher arrived at high school in the in a very critical moment. A new, t a new drama yeah. teacher. Oh and, yeah. And he he saw me in a play, and he said. He said, "Well, he just basically said, I see you, and I, I think you can do something uh -huh. with this.' And that was one of those special moments that we are lucky if we get those mentoring moments. Yeah, the, and it's a good time for it to happen. It was you're, it, perfect. You're, you're not quite formed, but you're hungry. Yeah, and a, a little nervous. Yeah, and and you're questioning everything. If 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 a responsible mentor steps into place." into your life at that point in time it's a big game changer yeah exactly what was it about that guy I, that, that he said he thought i was good oh yeah that was it <laughs> finally <laughs> i don't have to no literally anything. no literally it was it was it was really kind of that simple that hadn't happened yet mm. in something that i actually enjoyed something that i loved but what about your mom yeah but she didn't know she just thought, I, I, if I had murdered someone, she would have shown up with chocolate chip cookies. Sure, right. Whatever you would have done. She was like, "You, there's, I mean, I wish you hadn't have done it, but yeah. you really cut that guy up good. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't make a life out of it, but you can't because you're in jail now. But <laughs> Well, maybe on the inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See little, what you can do in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, she was literally that way to, yeah. a, to a full. No matter yeah, yeah. what, she would have figured out a way of, of uh, justifying it in her head. Uh-huh. Um, so, so it was a high school thing that started it. It was a high, it was high school, and then the, this guy of Philip Tong, Mr. Phil Tong, and he he just kind of and then he introduced me to all these great writers, and then encouraged me to apply to drama school, and then I got into drama, and it was, it was we were just and that was it. That was it. You're yeah. on you're on the path then, yeah, and it kind of owns you, right? I'm sure you. It you seems know, like it. Yeah, I mean, you have I'm your possessed own version by of that. Well, yeah, yeah I, I was. Uh, it was. It was comedy, and yeah, it's it, and it still owns me. But I, it's weird that you, you know, given that my success is what it is, I do okay. But I know, I keep pushing it, and I know my age, that you know, I'm still completely engaged with it and doing new things with it. Mm -hmm. You know, without you know, I've st friends who are much bigger stars than me. But, you know, it still means something, which is good if it can yeah. continue to mean something to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which it seems like the battle you had, you know, at least in, in light of Spider-Man, was that, uh, you know, what does it mean again to, mm -hmm. you know, what am I doing with my talent? Yeah, how, what are we serving? 
So when did when what were the first opportunities? You know, where 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 were you headed from the beginning? Oh, I just wanted to make money. Really? I just wanted to be able to pay rent and eat food. So were you doing commercials? Yeah, or? I did a Doritos commercial in Spain. Why Spain? You're like no one see it. They were, no, I wasn't. I was. I, I would have much rather it be in somewhere people would have seen it. Yeah. Um, no, at that point I was honestly. You didn't see my Doritos commercial. <laughs> was, it, was it in Spanish? Uh, yeah. Did you speak Spanish? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I didn't have to speak in it. It was yeah. all. It was all visual and okay. physical. But you know those the directors who directed it went on to direct the It movies. Oh, they did. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you know. Well, they, they made good. They, and you did all right, too. I did fine. Yeah. Do you see each other and go like, hey, you guys, thanks hey, for, what's up, guys? for the break. You know, <laughs> we, we both ended, landed our feet here. It was a major moment. I was very, very excited because I got like what, three grand for two days of work. Yeah. And I thought, well, if I can sustain this, I'm going to be a happy camper. And if I can, you know, this can supplement me being able to do my, my theater. Because I love the theater. I just fell in love with the theater. I was but like, you knew that wasn't going to be a big payday, No, right? no. Especially so, in the UK, because it's mostly subsidized. It's government funded for the most right. part. The great theaters in the UK and London are yeah. government funded. So, so okay. So you understood that there was a business to it and you had to you know go out and hustle some chips. Yeah. I just didn't want to keep working because I was working at Starbucks and I was working uh, as a waiter and doing all these things. Yeah. I, just, I just didn't... I would, I would, success for me would have yeah. been, would have been not having to do those jobs. Right. It's really that simple. And then when do the films start happening? When do you realize like... Yeah, that's the problem, isn't what? it? You get spoiled. You like, you get given the finest sushi in all of Japan. And yeah. And you, you're suddenly, you're suddenly like, well, I can't, I can't go to the supermarket for my sushi anymore. God yeah. damn. Like I'm, uh, I'm fucked. Now yeah. 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 Because you've, you know. Yeah. You've made some money. Not that. I meant more, more kind of symbolically oh. working with certain people on certain material. Okay, okay. You know, yeah. so the first movie, so I, I'm, I'm doing plays in London. Yeah. And I'm working on great plays in yeah. great theaters with great people. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not getting paid shit. And that's sure. totally fine. I'm just about making ends meet. Did you I'm, work with any of the old timers that you respected? Were there any of those moments where you're like, I can't believe I'm working with this guy? Who was that? I did a reading with Pete Pothelswaite. Yeah. And that was a big moment. I remember that being kind of incredibly exciting. Yeah. Um, there, there, yeah, there there were a couple of other people. Um, but um, it's, Were you doing Shakespeare? Um, I did I did Romeo and Juliet in Manchester. That was actually not good production. <laughs> it was a pretty shitty production. <laughs> Wait. Um, but uh, I was doing, I did a play called Kess in Manchester, which is the Ken Loach movie. Uh-huh. And they, they made a play of that, which was really, really beautiful. And then I was doing new writing in, in London. I was doing a lot of new writing at the National Theatre in London, which is kind of my home theatre. Which means new writing means like new playwrights? Yeah, yeah, like young younger playwrights. And like I, I got uh, an amazing Irish playwright called Ender Walsh, who's mm-hmm. done a lot of work with Killian Murphy, a play called Disco Pigs. And I did a play called um, Chat Room with him, which is all set in an internet chat room, but when, when that was all happening. Sure. It was like online bully. It was just like a, 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 a great play by an American playwright called J.T. Rogers called The Overwhelming mm. about the Rwandan genocide. Oh, I, yeah. I, and I was getting radicalized by by theater. I yeah, was, I was sure. getting my political kind of... Um, education. Education and, and a value system shaped by... Yeah. You by know, modern playwrights. By incredible, you know, I don't know, heart-centered, progressive socially conscious yeah. writers oh that's great that was kind of was building you 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 built your person in the theater i think so yeah. i think i think arthur miller especially miller and shakespeare yeah. i mean yeah those are two good bibles sure man yeah um 
and then so I was doing I was doing plays and then an assistant of a dire- of a famous director called Stephen Daldry came and saw one of the plays. Mm. And again, it was one of these moments where you you go, well, th- well, someone's uh, someone's looking out for me. Mm. And she saw a play I was doing. Daldry was doing a was putting together a screen test for a, a book called The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay by Michael Chabon. Yeah, I know that book. Yeah, it's a great book. Yeah, he was putting a, a screen test together for a movie version with um with Scott Rudin, who was producing at the time, and they asked me to come and screen test. Yeah. in London, and I had never done anything on camera. Yeah. And then I'm in a studio with Daldry and then six other actors, Ryan Gosling, Killian Murphy, Jason Schwartzman, Jamie Bell, Tobey Maguire, and I am just shitting myself entirely. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly I'm working with- With excitement or nervousness? But all of it. Yeah. And I am suddenly thrust into working with and witnessing great screen actors work. And I've always kind of- had this romantic kind of idea. It's always been like Brando and James Dean. You, sure. you go, well, how do you, and like Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, how do you, how are you doing that? And then I got to see Quietly. Him. Yeah, very, very, I whispered. Because <laughs> <laughs> everything was whispered. I was like, oh, it's quite simple. You just whisper everything. No, I, I, it was really Ryan Gosling where I was overwhelmed. I was like, this guy's figured something. He's doing something on a deeper level here. He had just done The Believer. He had just done um, Half Nelson. And oh, yeah. he was in that period of his work. And he what was, was he just, doing? You, could you put your doing? finger on it? He was alive. Mm. He was purely, he didn't, he didn't care about doing it the same way over and over again. He was listening. He was very present. He was spontaneous. He mm. was surprising. He wasn't trying to be those things. He yeah. was just being present. Right. There was a Zen quality to it. But, yeah. then, but it was a kind of... I don't know. It was like being in a scene with a wild animal where you didn't know whether he was going to kiss you or kill you. Yeah. And it was, and then you, you know, and then you kind of hook into that, right? You go, oh, I want to follow whatever that is. Yeah. And, and it's funny how those things work out because I managed to find my way to, to his teacher in LA and I found, I found her and she found me and we became. Who's that? A woman that doesn't like to be talked about. <laughs> oh really? Her name is um her name is Greta Seacat and she is um she's a very modest, humble person with she likes just doing what she does and do you do her per project or do you do a study with her? I started studying with her. I was introduced to her but through a mutual friend yeah. just kind of fortuitously and I did some workshops with her uh-huh. um and her and her mother who invented the 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 technique that that, that Greta kind of is a uh, um you know keeping alive her mother invented it yeah invented the technique who's your mother her mother is sandra seacat who plays my mother in under the banner of heaven oh really? yeah she's a really really fun, she's great she's a fine actress she's a genius actress and she was she studied with lee strasberg back in the 80s in new york at the actor's studio and lee strasberg i believe asked her or floated the idea of her taking over the studio and oh, she, so she's of that you know people see her she's, method. Me- she, she's a method yeah, she's yeah, a yeah. method that whole era of actor is yeah i mean that's the gold standard for film acting i think for sure there's been a lot of misconceptions around like what method acting is i think yeah it's I a think, huge book that, that was just written that i didn't read oh yeah no i saw the cover of that as yeah. well i think I, I had it next to me at, alone at dinner sometime i think yeah i think it was t- i think i think the the angle is the the, the mythologizing of the idea of it yeah and, uh, versus is what it really was yeah. yeah and is because people are still acting in that way and it's not it's not about um you know being an asshole to everyone on set you know right. it's, it's actually just about living living 
truthfully under imagined circumstances and being really nice to the crew simultaneously right. <laughs> and, and being a normal human being and being able to to, to drop it when you need to um, and staying in it when you when you want to stay in it. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of bothered by the misconception. I'm kind of bothered by this idea of like method acting is fucking bullshit. It's like, no, I don't think you know what method acting is if you're calling it bullshit yeah. or, or, or you're just disc- or you just worked with someone who claimed to be a method actor that actually isn't act- sure. acting the method at all. And it's also very private. Like I think the 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 process of create i don't want people to see the fucking yeah. the pipes of my toilet like yeah. i don't want to see how i'm making the sausage yeah like uh, so anyway it's but it, but it, but it is really really profound work that um that that greta and her mother sandra do and being in a scene with ryan gosling in that moment yeah i was like it feels like he's out of control and i think he wasn't but he was letting himself be driven by things. You look at like Pacino and Dog Day Afternoon. You could Pacino in anything. Sure, yeah. But you, I'm thinking specifically now about like Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah, sure. That's it. That's the one. And you see someone that's just following his impulses. Totally. Like every single impulse is is raw and it's real. And, and it's he, great. And it's vulnerable and it's grotesque and it's beautiful. So and many long shots too. Of yeah, him like dude. pacing around. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, It's It's that, that. And then you look at, you think about, I think about, oh man, you're getting me excited about acting again because I've been kind of tired. Um, like it's nice thinking about, I think about De Niro in The Mission or De Niro in, yeah. De, in Deer Hunter. There's two scenes that of De Niro's that maybe solidify him as our greatest living actor. And, Which and, scenes? Well, the scene in The Mission where he's paying his penance uh, it makes me want to cry, and he's 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 tied all that armor and and all the bags oh, yeah, yeah, and the yeah. ropes as his as they're climbing up yeah, yeah, yeah. that mountain to reach that that um, indigenous tribe. Yeah, and uh, they get to the top, what seems like the top, and he won't drop these things. He won't drop this penance. He feels so ashamed for killing his brother. I think at yeah, the beginning yeah, yeah. of the film, and one of the natives, one of the lo- one of the indigenous people they see him and they approach him and they pull out a knife and he thinks he's got, he's about to get his throat slit for whatever reason. Yeah. And one of the indigenous people cuts the tie of this penance and it for and oh, yeah. this, the, the, this heavy armor, these boulders that he's been carrying up this, this mountain. And they, you see, there's this beautiful shot of them falling off this cliffside with a waterfall in the yeah, background. Yeah, yeah. And you see De Niro, Every single moment is so pure. You see him seeing it, feel it fall off, seeing it fall off. A bunch of mysterious shit happens in his body, in his psyche. And it's like you're witnessing someone forgive himself in real time for all of the sins that he's committed up until that point. You see the human process of self-forgiveness or a feeling like you've been forgiven by God that you can live Right. Um, peacefully again right. like, like you've done your time right and it, it all happens in 30 seconds yeah and he manages to give us that universal I don't know the thing that we all know somehow even though we haven't maybe experienced it to that degree gives us it in 30 seconds and that's that's what was the, the other scene? What was the other? The other scene is um, the first Russian roulette scene in, oh, in, oh yeah yeah in the, in the no, deer hunter he's looking at like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the impulse is like, like the, the wildness oh, when of his choices when the guy's smacking yeah, him yeah 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 like the, the, the seeing seeing an actor seeing an artist so free any artist painter whatever it is comedian like yeah. without censorship with, yeah. with, 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 with an open raw kind of vulnerable heart and a trust of themselves 
and a longing to reach deeper. Yeah. That's it. And I That is and, it. And and I think uh, you know, these are all these are all our great did method you, actors. Did you see did, when was the last time you watched the verdict? With uh, Paul Newman. I don't think I've ever seen the Dude. verdict. Oh man, that's exciting! Like, I get to watch the verdict. Sydney Sid, uh, Lumet. I love Lumet. He's my favorite. And it's you know it's it's Newman in his fifties, right. late fifties, right? Playing a a, a, a loser. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple moments in that mm-hmm. self revelation. Well, yeah, where the, the battle between his ego, yeah, yeah, right, and, and the realization that he's made a mistake. Wow, it's like. It's pretty great. Did, did you read Lumet's book, Making Movies? No, I have it though. Oh, good. Yeah, you have a yeah, bunch of books. I noticed you have a bunch they're, of yeah. very pristine looking sure. books on a shelf. You didn't go upstairs. I got, <laughs> that's got hundreds. So that's impressive. It was You're a, a real book buyer. Huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, I have them. Yeah, I, there, I, you know, I got plans. <laughs> I, yeah, I've, I've ventured into many. Uh, but that one was yeah I dude it's really easy it's a really easy book to read it's no really yeah my cool. um, the uh, Lynn Shelton the woman who uh, I was with who passed away she was she loves mm. that book and mm. I have her copy of it mm. so like I you know I and I I know it's an important book mm. yeah I'm so sorry about that oh yeah I'm sorry yeah oh yeah thanks uh, but like it's like it it's was, a wonderful book it's yeah. a really I didn't mean to bring it up and bum no me out. no oh, yeah. no no it's I'm just yeah I'm just yeah. sorry I mean but you should watch that movie I definitely will. I've been watching. I've been watching some old movies, man. What have I've you been, been watching? I've been watching those boxing movies on Criterion. Mm. Fat City with Stacy Keach. It's a John Huston directed movie, and uh, it, the the woman's name is Susan Terrell, and it's one of the it is one of the amazing performances. Jeff Bridges is in it. Mm. Yeah, Fat City. I'm writing this down. Yeah, it's kind of a sad uh, boxing movie. Oh, we definitely watched The Verdict, though. Yeah. You've never seen it because it's a real treat. Well, Lumet, I love Lumet because he would, he would talk about, he says it, he talks about it in the book. He's yeah. like, an actor needs to have moments of self-revelation, otherwise I send them home. It has to be self-revelatory. Oh, yeah. Interesting. There's, remember that scene yeah. in, um, in Network um, yep. with um, where, what's his name, the great, the great um, older actor? Finch. Who, no, the other William one, Holden. Holden, yeah, where Holden has to confess to his wife about um, oh the affair, the affair, yeah, and I think he came in on the day they were shooting, and it was just kind of not happening, uh-huh. and uh, I think Lou, I think this is in the book, so I'm not, I don't think I'm blowing anyone's spot up here, <laughs> like okay. from fifty years ago at this point. No, it's going yeah. They're all dead. I don't think they're listening to the <laughs> yeah. podcast. But they might be listening to everything, but, but they're all dead. But how wild that I'm suddenly here, like yeah, feeling yeah. bad about gossiping about yeah. about uh, Sydney Lumet's take on William Holden. <laughs> it's like yeah. I got some hot goss for yeah. you, Mark. About, about William never, Holden. Yeah. Keep never, it on the down low. You'll never guess what Lumet <laughs> said about Holden. Yeah. Um, Lumet was like, um, "Hey, what's going on?" And Holden was like, "What do you mean?" And Lumet was like, you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. Or maybe yeah, this sure. is literally what was yeah, said. Yeah. And uh, and Holden was like, I know what you mean. And Lumet said, okay, come back tomorrow and bring all of that. Yeah. And because Holden just had a big affair. And I'd had, had, had a, I think he was going through a divorce. And mm. he was like... Mm. He was. He was like, I need you to. I need you to bring that stuff because mm. otherwise, there's no. There's no scene here, and I've yeah. got your. And I've got you. Just know that I've got you, and know that it's going to serve a lot of people if. Yeah. You reveal this, and he came back and gave that. Well, I remember that insane, scene because the 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 the, the stunning the act, part of that scene is, is the wife. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who won the Academy Award for one scene? That's a incredible scene. It's such a great film as well. Like. 
That's the thing about him as a director is that you never feel him in the in his movies. It's always about the That's story. That's true, and it's and all, and there's and he's different in, every, from movie to movie a Prince little bit. Prince of the City, Prince yep. of the City, like it's all, and then fucking the great um, Serpico, like yeah. the style is always the the style that supports the film. Did he do Dog Day? Who did he Dog Day? He did Dog Day, yeah. That's crazy, yeah. man. It's nuts. All those, yeah. Long, takes his time. He had a real streak. He had a real incredible streak. And he saw it in the theater as well. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I, uh, was, he, was, he in the, was he with the Method Gang? I think he was. He was a little bit... He was a little bit an offshoot. He, yeah. he wasn't entirely... I think he was a bit more of a journeyman okay. a director at the beginning, you know? He'd been around a long time. 12 Angry Men, right? Yeah. Yeah, and all... And, and, uh, that was his first. That yeah. was his first movie, yeah. Because Jack Warden's in The Verdict. Oh, wow. Okay. It's great. I'll do... Because he's an old man. I have a night in tonight. I'm going to watch The Verdict. Thank you. That's... Oh, God. That's it's, so exciting. Thank that's you. That's great. Because it's, it's an early mammoth script. So it's right. tight. I think the only mammoth thing I ever really loved yeah. was the movie of Glengarry Glen Ross. That's pretty great. I, I, I like other mammoth. I just I, I was bothered by the book he wrote about acting. Terrible. It was like, shut up, yeah, say a, your lines, and fucking get yeah. out of my face. And also this idea that don't anyone can do it. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It was bothersome. Yeah, I, I don't know. And I arrogant. Took, I, I, I struggled with it. Sorry, I'm just playing with your things at this That's point. That's why they're there, yeah. When I say things, just to, for clarity, of you listeners at home, it's, yeah. a, it's a spinning top yeah. and a, a, an old school kind of... That's a hard thing. Yeah, Jean-Claude Van Damme hand... Exerciser. Exerciser that I wonder... Yeah, some people Why pick it up. It's, That's, it's like a hard one. I don't know where it came from. I think it was in a swag box of some kind. Is this stuff you just put out for people to? Well, in my old garage, I had a lot more clutter, and you, you know there was it, there was shit all over the place in the original garage, mm-hmm. and this is sort of the stuff that was on the desk in the old garage. But it sort of matched the rest of the environment. Now it's just like a strange selection of things. I love it to have out. How cool to have been alive when this was the iPhone. When that was the excitement, a when, spinning top. When the spinning top was, was yeah. oh yeah, the PS Five. Yeah, I don't know if it was ever quite that, but yeah, I, I don't get know, it. man. <laughs> it was a fucking craze just before the hula hoop. Yeah, the so spinning top. What um, what is, so what is the process now? Uh, before we <clears throat> when you when we, and talking about the method in, essentially. So when you played in that Scorsese movie to work with him. Mm-hmm. You know what were his expectations? That's a pretty sparse movie. It's you. You go in with everything you imagine you would go in yeah. with, with total excitement, trepidation, uh-huh. pinching yourself, yeah. awareness of how lucky you are that you're one of the handful of people that has gone to work with the American masters mm-hmm. of cinema mm-hmm. and historian of cinema. Yeah. Well, you sp- have you sp- you've hung no, with him. You spoken with him. Nope. You'd have a great time with him because sure. it's just fun. He's like a funny. Yeah. Dude that I've knows, seen him talk. Yeah, knows a lot about movies. Yeah, and knows a lot about history and knows sure. a lot about culture and people and just loves being a person. He's yeah. like, he's hilarious. He's almost, he kind of is. He's like the most Jewish Italian American that you've ever kind of come across. Yeah, there's definitely a a a, 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 a relationship. There. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure, a similarity. Yeah. Um. So so I went I went in with all of that and and that was dispelled pretty quickly because of who he is because he's just very disarming and very ordinary w- yeah. w- with all of his extraordinariness. But then I had a, I gave myself a year. I gave myself a year to study with him, study with a, an incredible Jesuit priest in New York called Father James Martin, huh. who's a writer, uh-huh. a fantastic Jesu- Jesuit spiritual writer. Yeah. 
and a great man and he became my kind of friend and spiritual director for a year and I just studied Catholicism. I studied um, the thing called the spiritual exercises. So this is really interesting for, for nerds um, like me and you, I think. So there's a through line to all of this. So the Ignatian spiritual exercises were a series of exercises that were created by St. Ignatius of Loyola back in the 1400s, I believe, 1500s maybe. Um, I'm not good with dates, but yeah. I'm, I'm good with other things. I And, and it's basically a 31-day retreat that you do where you actively meditate on the life of Jesus Christ and you place yourself using your imagination into every single stage and scene and moment of the life of Christ from his inception to his resurrection and it's but but it's 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 more than just sitting and thinking you are actively imaginatively creating a relationship with Christ through a series of prompts and questions and you end up you end up in a pretty deep space and uh, I was guided through this by this um, this amazing priest, Father James Martin. And it's a transformational process. Like I had a relationship with an imagined Christ in my head by the time I had finished this this retreat. And you didn't grow up with Christ? No, not yeah. at all. I, I grew up with you know an awareness. I mean, how do you sure, avo- sure. how do you avoid get, Christ? Get, no, I get it, but, <laughs> but no, but, but you no, weren't. I didn't you, have a relationship with him. You at weren't all. Jesus. Duh. No, I wasn't <laughs> Jesus. Um, and and you know what I discovered? I discovered. That Stanislavski, the inventor, yeah. the, the creator of method, method acting, yeah. based and was inspired by Saint Ignatius's spiritual exercises to create his method of acting by imaginatively entering circumstances so fully that you feel like you've lived them cellularly. But do you know that historically, or are I you do. making an no, assumption? No, I know that historically. It's documented. It's documented. No shit. And you know what else? What? Um, Bill. Who created the twelve steps? Yeah, was he created the twelve steps with a Jesuit priest, and it was based on the Oxford group. It was based on Saint Ignatius spiritual oh, really? exercises. Yeah, and also so that well, I think they came from originally from something called the Oxford group, which was a Christian thing, which may oh. have based it on that. Yeah, I don't know about that, but yeah, yeah. But, but I know that sense. Bill's buddy was a Jesuit, and he was like, check out these spiritual exercises, and and maybe this can be inspiring. Uh huh. And they created the twelve steps out of them. To, it's like, yeah. So, so, th- so I, I got to do the kind of the brass tacks, foundational, spiritual work of 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 what is. And and, and Ignatius was really interesting because he was a soldier. He was a warrior, and not religious or spiritual at all. And he got wounded in battle, and he was bedridden for I think maybe a year, a year and a half. Mm. And in that time, the only books that he had were these Catholic texts. And he had this spiritual awakening from just being completely, um, I don't know, waylaid and mm. limited by by this this injury. So you had to, so you went through this the process yeah. of what Jesuit priests go through yeah. to, to kind of get in the zone of it, and it yeah. worked, and, and it coincided. It worked, and, and I was, and I and I acted <laughs> as a Jesuit. As <laughs> yeah, but I mean, no, but like it, it worked, but in it the coincided sense of, with the method as well. Totally, it was, and it was just. The it whole was thing was a, revelatory. I don't know if it worked, but yeah. it worked for me. It, sure. wor- it worked in a very beautiful kind of. I I I I'm I had an incredibly spiritual experience, and combined with that, I did I did a bunch of spiritual practices every day that 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 I created new rituals for myself. I I was celibate for six months. I wow. I was um I you know and fasting a lot because me and Adam had to lose a bunch of weight anyway, so it yeah. kind of added up. So there was all these spiritual kind of practices that we got to do 
while we were praying, meditating, and you know, had, having the, all the intentions that we had as, the, as those characters. Wild. It was very cool, man. I had some pretty wild, trippy experiences from starving myself of sex and food for that period of time. Of course. Yeah. Well, your brain's got to do something when you don't. <laughs> when, not, when you're not satisfying any of that dopamine, it's going to go somewhere else. It gives you some gifts for sure, yeah. So what did you do to prepare for uh, uh, Jim Baker? Oi. Uh, that's a hard uh, uh. <laughs> yeah I thought you did a great job in all these Thanks. movies Thanks I, I'm you. sorry I got hung up on the uh, the more spiritual no it's good no, ones it's because they're deep shit yeah yeah no I Jim Baker was more about what it was to be deluded and and um, out of alignment with yourself actually it was the most painful both spiritually and sexually I guess yeah, just just completely, just entirely. Oh, interesting. Just, just a, it was it was a practice in 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 non-alignment. It was a practice in self-delusion and greed, and you know the stuff that shame? doesn't shame for sure, mm. and the stuff that doesn't feed us that we think will feed us that doesn't. It was like my opportunity to really get a taste of wow. chasing the stuff, chasing the Murdoch stuff. You know. Yeah, and how yeah. about like working with her? She's so fucking, Jessica. Oh she's, she's very talented. Yeah, she's so she's, good, right? Yeah, she's excellent. She's a consumer actress for sure. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, and and uh, in working with uh, um, Lynn. Yeah, love he, Lynn. Have you spoken to Lynn? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a. I love Lynn. Yeah, we had great talk. He's great, and he's that and and that that delightful. guy to make a movie about that guy, yeah. about Jonathan. Yeah, I don't know what Lynn's relationship with him was, or was it just with the work? Or yeah, did, they didn't know each oh, other because Jonathan had died by the time um, Lynn was he's a thinking older, huh? thinking of becoming a playwright. Yeah, um, but he was inspirational to Lynn. Lynn says that they wouldn't be a Lynn. They wouldn't be a Hamilton without. Without. They wouldn't be in the Heights rent. without Rent. Sure. And without Jonathan's work. Right. Yeah. And without Tick Tick Boom, actually. Yeah. Because um, it was a production of Tick Tick Boom, that really galvanized Lynn to quit his day job as a substitute teacher and really focus on finishing in oh, the Heights. Wow. Yeah. So in the Heights wouldn't exist maybe without Jonathan. Jonathan and Tick and the one man sh and 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 Tick Tick Boom. Yeah. So so yeah. I mean that's that's very that's fucking cool. And in the Spider Man movies, did you like? How, what was the most important thing about putting that together? Was it the physicality? Yeah. I mean, what? Yeah. What, did you find the acting challenging to make that guy? Um, I find acting challenging <laughs> in in all regards. For for me, for that, it was more the kind of responsibility. Of my first ever Halloween costume was a felt Spider-Man costume that my mother <laughs> that my mother had made by hand yeah. when I was three years old, yeah. and combined with that, knowing that I'm about to make a movie that a gajillion young boys are going to watch, yeah, and and then and at the same time I was I happened to be studying and old boys and old boys yeah, yeah and forever boys forever boys there <laughs> yeah. you go yeah I um. I I was studying Joseph Campbell at the time as well. Sure. I was looking at myth, at, at hero's journey and mythology oh, and yeah. you know folk for that tales. movie or just because just because oh, it yeah. happened to coincide. And I was oh, like, wow. oh wait a minute, and you know it was literally Campbell as if he was talking directly to my soul, going, well here's the thing, you know, what the people in the film industry don't realize anymore is that mm. they are our myth makers now, and that it's their responsibility to tell us stories that give us meaning and that will provide structure. And you're like we'll, Spider Man. No, but actually, yeah, dude. Yeah, I know. For real, because I'm like, okay, I know that like the 
you know, people, you know, you want to sell tickets and you want it to be a spectacle. Yeah. But I suddenly was like, oh, fuck. There's a bunch of teenage boys that are going to, that, that could get some medicine here, that could get some structure, that could get some inspiration, yeah. that could get a, a deeper understanding of themselves, right. their own ordinariness and how it inter- intermingles with their own extraordinariness and maybe an idea of what their extraordinariness could be and and maybe maybe get given some solace and maybe get given some uh, inspiration and so I, I that was the main thing for me and that was the that was the joy of it for me it was like oh i get to have that opportunity of really trying to inject this with soul so and and uh the type of vulnerability that would be connect with boys with like adolescent sure that's kids great going yeah. through change yeah so no it was a big deal for so sure. it seems like you know dis- like through the acting and through you know coming back to what we talked about before about the emptiness and not knowing yeah initially yeah and then finding this journey for yourself which turns out just by virtue of roles and and your curiosity there has been somewhat of a a spiritual journey for sure man yeah and, and I'm, yeah and now even now like in the wake of I'm, in the wake of losing mom like the emptiness is so vast you know the fact that my mother is no longer the 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 space that that is left yeah and and the not only the space that it's left physically but but also, I'm sure you can relate in your own, with your own experience, and everything's rearranged. I was living under the, an illusion before that she was going to be here forever, it, whether I knew it or not. I think I knew intellectually that we all we all die. But when but, yeah, you thought I had some more time, anyways. Yeah, but that that visceral loss yeah. just r- totally has, is rearranging my understanding of what matters and what what doesn't, and and I think. I'm trying my hardest to be with the, the that empty night sky and just listen and and try to pay attention rather than fill it with things that that may distract me for a minute, but but ultimately won't uh, won't bring me to a deeper a deeper version of whatever it is to be in this life. You, you know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. A, a deeper what it is. It's an acceptance yeah. ultimately. Into a deep, into reality, into yeah. more reality. Well, yeah, because like I was talking to somebody the other night, because the weird thing about grief, and obviously I'm not talking about a parent, but I'm talking mm. certainly about somebody I loved and thought I would have more time with. Uh-huh. It was at the beginning of something. It wasn't, you yeah. know, so, but, you know, it, it comes and goes and, you know, you feel visceral feelings of, of missing them. But then like something new is happening around living with the absence. Yes. So, which I think is what you're talking about when yeah. you say the space, yep. right? Yeah. But but the absence is very full. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? It's the fullest. Right. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because it's eternal for you yeah. now. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a natural course of things. Uh-huh. So that's the evolution of grief, mm. right? To 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 uh, build the relationship with the absence. Yep. And almost have a, a sort of uh passive if not uh mm. welcome uh, expectation of of the end of you yeah in a way how to die well yeah how do we die as well as possible right, right. Or, or or just or, or accept the reality of it because yeah. that's really what it comes down to when you say someone's gonna be there forever is that your brain doesn't you know that's the curse of of consciousness yeah is that you know we don't know what's going to happen and it's fucking terrifying yeah but when you start losing people you're going to be like well it's Definitely happening. 
and it's and it's and it's actually the only thing that makes this worth the time. Yeah, <laughs> is knowing that it's yeah. finite. Yeah, yeah. Weirdly, yeah. yeah. And I and I think that some of the stuff we're talking about too about the the humility or whatever you're saying about getting older or the yeah. wisdom of it yeah. is I think however it's manifesting it's it's and it's if you have humility and you're not fighting it mm. it's an acceptance of it mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. that you know like all right this is going to arc here and now is the time where I prepare as opposed to fight you got a lot of fighting old men that are making a real fucking mess of things mm-hmm. do you know what I mean mm-hmm. I'm curious about your relationship with the absence and what it's giving you and what, yeah, if I can ask that. What (laughs) There's no explaining it in, in, in terms of you know why or, or what there's just no uh so that's confounding right so you like for me like you, you can't blame anybody you, 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 it's just something that happens and and so the whole premise of it is just fucking terrible <laughs> right mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> cuz you can't you can't even rage you can't no. and there's no answers right I guess you could, but but it, it serves nothing. Yeah. So, so my relationship is, you know, at, and you seem to be doing it as well. Is that like once you get past the trauma and and you know through that that tunnel of the extreme grief at the beginning, mm-hmm. you can sort of like you have a certain amount of control over you know how you want to experience those feelings. You, you know, like I just got flooded with them, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But you can't live like that every day. Right. So, you know, you have that relationship with whatever that feeling is, whatever that frequency is mm-hmm. that, that they were. Yeah. But also sort of the knowledge that they're, you know, that they're eternal. They're, they're, they're with you all the time. You feel that? It's, like, yeah, and it, I do. And, I I, do too, it, yeah. and it's happening more. Uh-huh. And this is not even a, a woman who is my mother. But, like, I feel the, the presence of, of what we had together whatever that was you know still informing my life yeah not in this not in a sort of like oh she told me this she told me that no but it's active yeah alive right <laughs> right yeah man right yeah did you feel that in the uh, acutely in the first few weeks no or because no? like it, More, it, it happened quickly it, and tragically uh, and it, uh, you know and yeah, yeah like i mean i think that whatever you were able to go through be, to be present for somebody knowing yes. that they were going. Different, very different. Yeah. Right. To, to all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, like what the fuck is happening? Yeah. What? Uh, oh, so, sorry. I, yeah, it was terrible. And Awful. I, and, and I couldn't, no, I couldn't, ex- I, I, I knew it happened. Yeah. But I couldn't, ex- I couldn't, pro- I couldn't integrate no. it. No, of course not. Because I have no preparation. And nor should Zero. you. Yeah. There's no, there's no way. It's so it's, oh, it's shocking. It's, yeah. yeah. It's like. Um, and everybody loved her and she had such a good yeah. will with everybody. And I had, it was one of those situations where, you know, she had a long history with a lot of people in this community. I mean, she made movies and yeah. actually. Yeah. 
and we were just really sort of starting our thing. So like I, I, I the, the compounding horror of it was like, you know, I thought like finally, you know, we found each other and now we can ride the rest of this out. You know what I mean? Oh. So what I the way I look at it now is that like people can grieve a history with somebody, but to to, to grieve possibility, oh buddy, right? So and it, it, it mm. right. So you know, so the relationship with the absence can be a little, um, um, uh, you know, how do you go? How, what's the next relationship? What do you? How do you? You know? How do you trust and all that shit? Of course. And I wasn't that good before. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I, I, I might. I thought I had a shot. You know. <laughs> so she's really got me. She's got. <laughs> she stuck with me for a while. That's um. It makes me. It makes me think. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. And it, it's really beautiful to hear. It. And I agree with you. We don't talk about it. I don't know why we. It's I don't hard. Know. It's hard, but like I think it's hard because we don't have ritual around talking about it and we've been taught we've been encouraged to not fucking talk about it we've been encouraged to avoid it have we or is it just i some... do think so dude we're we're a fucking co- look at who we celebrate in our culture sorry not to get ragey that's right but look at the the we celebrate ascension always ascending uh-huh. ascending ascending uh-huh. oh, denial right. of death denial of that we're gonna live longer it doesn't matter how the quality of life we'll just live fucking longer and we and if we fuck this planet up we'll go to fucking mars right, right, fuck right. you man right 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 fuck you Let's... did you read that book the denial of death no you should Ooh, good one i will yeah but, but yeah but i agree with you and i think it is hard but it's o- i think it is, it's only hard because we make we allow it to be hard I, well i think people are afraid of the vulnerability of it that's how i've been totally. talking about yeah, it totally. on stage is that you know all, it doesn't require anything of you this idea that people are like well, i don't know man you know i don't i don't maybe i should wait a couple of weeks to go over there you know his girlfriend just died his mother just died like i don't know how to handle it it's like uh-huh. when you make it about yourself yeah. you're missing the the the, the real point is all yeah. you got to do is stand there literally <laughs> or just send a text actually well that well that's fine but but i think you know, we've all gotten too used to that and i was grateful for a lot of the texts and everything yeah, yeah but like to handle someone's grief it requires almost nothing literally just presence just presence bear witness you know yep. maybe touch a shoulder you know, like, <laughs> right you're all right pal <laughs> mark just um just uh, acted out uh someone touching a shoulder just uh, i wish you guys could have seen it because we, we we all needed to see yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay i'm just doing it again and it's very good um but it makes me think of a couple of things and it makes me th- like what you said about there's no use in being angry and and who are you going to rage against and a sense of inevitability and acceptance right and and and, and obviously we're, we're coming at this conversation with 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 different um specific sure. details right but for me you know i'm sat with my mother looking at her as she dies and i think how can this be how can this be how can this be but there was something that clicked thankfully in me pretty quickly i think because i had the time to prepare and I was willing to yeah. kind of look at it. Yeah. But I had to accept it as the greater opponent. I had to accept death sure. as this tsunami that if we try and fight and and beat, we're just gonna end up drowning ourselves in in, in more unnecessary anguish. There was something about the inevitability of it that was weirdly reassuring and deeply mysterious and confounding. And I remember get diving into the water one day and I think it was in Fire Island, we yeah. were staying out there with a friend. And I was, you know, I had that 
resistance thing in my chest like that anxiety yeah. like it was just before she was um she was about to die and yeah it was just this fucking pain that i couldn't move i couldn't shift and whatever i instinctively went to the ocean i just kind of like submerged myself and i i suddenly just got this download from the water it was yeah. weird man it was like oh yeah 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 it yeah. was like the expanse it was like it told me everything it mm. was like i it basically just gave it to me in, a, in this in this one rush and i i understood that i wasn't special i understood that what That's i was it. what i was going through was felt incredibly acutely unique and and like no one else had been through this agony before but yeah. for whatever that wave gave me the information that it had been healing people through grief for the last millennia and Forever. beyond right like reptiles lose their mother reptiles right, <laughs> like, sure. this, is like, this is the way it's been since right. the beginning of time right, and right. welcome to the club of life welcome right. to the That's living right. welcome to the land of the the actual living exactly Pretty yeah wild that, yes because uh, like i have been saying that the thing the three things that i that stuck with me you know, fairly quickly was that I'm not the victim. She was mm, one. Mm. The second thing was there's nothing unusual about what's happening. Yeah. Zero. I mean, not just death, but there's nothing. It's like sometimes people die tragically. Some it, It's going to happen. There's nothing unusual about the experience I'm experiencing. Totally. I'm not alone in it. No. In any way. 100%. And then the other thing was may her memory be a blessing. That Beautiful. Jewish thing. The idea of that. Get to that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. it. That's good, man. Well, uh, yeah. That's good shit. No, that's really good shit. But you know, in like a lot of indigenous cultures, they would they would give the grieving unlimited time off of tribal duties. Oh, yeah. And they would assign them a buddy because to make sure that they were eating, drinking, and that no one interfered in their grief. Because the idea is you let someone, you let someone wail, act crazy, strip naked, sleep under a tree. Yeah eat the tree bark, sure. slap themselves yeah. enough where you're not like d doing long lasting damage. So the buddy is there to make sure they, that they don't really hurt themselves yeah. or kill themselves yeah. um, and make sure that they're fed. And if someone goes by and goes, what's that crazy person doing that the buddy's there to be like, no, 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 they're in griefs. Oh, okay, cool. Oh yeah, that, I, I yeah. dig it. Like that was our original impulse. Well, the Jews do the species. shiva thing. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Slightly but that, more formal. But. <laughs> formal, but, but it's supposed to serve the serve. I, I think yeah, yeah, the, yeah. And because it was COVID, you know, I didn't get any of that, but I don't know yeah. if I would have understood it anyways. But I am sort of I think we understand processing. it innately. Yeah, I, I am processing it. Innately. You know, well, I, I didn't understand. Like, I'm not great with, sh with, with allowing myself to be loved or taken care of, really. I just, I, you know, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I resist it. Yeah, yeah. My grief, because I, I'm trying to keep it together because I resist the emotion of it, it, throughout all of this time, and it's been over two years, um, it 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 would surprise me. The, mm. it, like I would, this emotion would come out of me, and I'd be you know crying uncontrollably over like a plate of enchiladas with a friend of mine, because <laughs> I went to Taos and I grew up in New Mexico. I visited my friend Devin. You know, I didn't know what else to do. I sure. go go spend time and yeah, try to do the your, grief. He was your grief buddy. Well, he didn't. You know, he knew what was happening, but I didn't know it was going to happen. I didn't know it was going to come, and it just comes. So I, I often, wow, wow. I, I often wonder, like, did I do the wailing that I should? Because mm. it still seems to be fairly active. Mm -hmm. I mean, did you? Uh, I don't do you know. feel like you had that? Like, uh, like it's not even anger; just a feeling of of of, oh, of sadness and yeah, loss yeah. that that is exhausting. 
Yeah. To me, uh, it trickles out. I I had I did a lot of it. Y- you know, yeah, I mean, but but again, it's I think that's okay. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's of course, like, everything's okay. Everything's okay. But, so, but, <laughs> yeah. so, but you leave it to me, I'm sort of like, I'm not sure I did the grief good. You know, I, <laughs> hey, you know, how Luke, did I do, Evan? How did I do yeah, the, yeah, that yeah. one week of grief I did with you? <laughs> get it all out. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. I, listen, no, I'm with you. It's No, I, I get hit. I sat in my garden in London recently with my dad. My dad just came over and we sat in silence for about 20 minutes. Mm. Just, I have this new garden in, in, in London and we both just started talking telekinetically and we were just kind of silently sobbing yeah. together just like with yeah. it. and there was literally an, uh, em- an empty stool ahead of us mm. and you know we were both just thinking you know exactly what we were thinking right. where is she she sure. should be here not only that but she would I, I wish she had seen this garden I wish she had seen the, a thing that I'd made for, mm. for, for, for for people to for her to enjoy you know all these all these so no I mean like but I don't want it to go actually like yeah. I don't want it to leave and I think that wailing that you so eloquently kind of expressed is, it's, I feel like it's actually, it's the love that we didn't get to give, Mm. which is eternal. It's never, it's never going to be given. Like the love that I, the love that we have for the people that we really love. It's, I think another thing I learned in this process, I actually learned what unconditioned, unconditional love was. Mm. Vis- I felt it. And yeah. I feel it. Vis- I'm like, oh no, I love this person's essence infinitely. There's no end to it. And it's also, a source that will never, ever dry up. Right. But also the 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 thing that you have to stay in though, which it's, it seems like you are and that I'm tried to, is I think I was a, I, I do think I was at my best when I, through her eyes. Mm. So, it's also about allowing yourself to continue to receive the love that was forthcoming. Oh yeah, you know, and a hundred percent, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> but that, but that is how we honor. That's how we honor. Yeah, yeah. It's like to keep their eyes on us, actually. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I, that's what, where I'm at now. That's yeah. the, that's the the sort of like proactive living with the absence. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's what my dad's doing. God bless him. Mm. You know, my God, man, forty forty odd years of marriage. You know, and he's he's having to contend with our childhood home, our family home, where she's in every single oh, corner. God, I, that's the one thing that I learned from the experience. Is like. I really got to get rid of some shit uh, mm. because I mean, just for me, you know, I saw what happened to a lot of her stuff and uh-huh. it's going to happen to anybody's stuff. Yeah. It's like, do we keep this? Does anyone want this? <sighs> and at some point someone's got to go like, nope. Mm. But I guess there's no way to really sort that out. You don't want to do a, pre, a pre-death cleansing of your helm. No, <laughs> That's like, that feels more like a natural thing. I don't know. It's, it is. It's just, it's all. It, it's it, and it happens every day, all over, all the time. Right now, someone crying, saying, "What do, does anyone want this?" <laughs> I found an old L.A. Dodgers T-shirt. Yeah, at my dad's place. Yeah, that was hers, and that, that one. I'm, I've taken that one. I got a hat, and I got some boots, <laughs> and I got a jacket. And I got about four shirts, <laughs> and the one I met her in, I kept it. I have that. Sweet. Yeah. Good talking to you, man. Good talking to you. Thanks, Mark. That was a nice conversation. Real shit. Real deal. Emotionally connected. We were connected. Beautiful. So, Under the Banner of Heaven is streaming now on Hulu. Good luck to Andrew. 
at the Emmys. Uh, can you hang out a second, please? Thank you. We're posting the latest Ask Mark Anything tomorrow for the full Marin subscribers on WTF+. Plus. If you submitted a question last week, chances are I answered it. I tried to get to most of them. If you haven't subscribed to the full Marin yet, go to the link in the episode description or click on WTF Plus at WTFPod.com. Listen. Here we go. I'm in Tucson, Arizona at the Rialto Theater on September 16th, Phoenix, Arizona at Stand Up Live on September 17th, Boulder, Colorado at the Boulder Theater on September 22nd, Fort Collins, Colorado at the Lincoln Center on September 23rd, and Toronto, Ontario at the Queen Elizabeth Theater on September 30th and October 1st, London, England, and Dublin, Ireland. I'll be coming to you in October, and my dates for November and December are now on sale for the public. That's in Oklahoma City, Dallas, San Antonio, Houston, Eugene, Oregon, Bend, Oregon, Asheville, North Carolina, and Nashville, Tennessee. Go to WTFPod.com slash tour for all dates and ticket info. I Here's some clunky guitar. Here is some clunky guitar.
Boomer lives. Monkey and the Fonda. Cat angels, uh, cat angels, cat angels everywhere. <laughs>